Hello, and welcome to this episode of Welcome to the Mind. My name is William Hatfield, and I'm sitting here with my good friend. Hey, what's up, guys? My name is Nathan Tagg. And we are going to discuss bands and what they have meant to us. Sounds good. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to start off with a band that has meant a lot to me, uh, Guns N' Roses. You know, they have helped me, their music has helped me deal with a lot of things in life. You know, uh, lyrically, as as given me direction in life. You know, uh, I don't know how you feel about GNR, but uh, you know, I've I've listened to uh, Guns N' I mean, everybody, myself included, has always heard the big four or five songs on the radio. You know, uh, Welcome to the Jungle and Knocking on Heaven's Door and so on and so forth. Yeah. I had uh, a copy of, I can't remember the name of. Uh, the album off the top of my head, one of their bigger albums, uh, Appetite for Destruction. Yeah, I think it was Appetite for Destruction. Yeah. Actually, uh, I had a, I had a copy of that on CD, uh, and I've since uh, parted with it. But uh, yeah, I, I I like Guns N' Roses just fine. Yeah, uh, g- got a funny story about GNR. GNR was the first band I ever seen live. They opened up with Molly Crew. It was down in Tennessee. Okay, and uh, I ended up getting a, uh, a bootleg cassette of the album of Appetite. Okay. I come back to Indianapolis and I'm in junior high school and I start making copies of this of this tape and I start selling them to people. Yeah. You know, next thing I know, everybody loves Guns N' Roses. So, you know, I feel like, you know, I kind of had a hand in at least introducing GNR to my school. Yeah, you time. maybe you yeah. were the impetus for right, that. Right, right, you know. So that kind of kind of made me made me feel good about that, you know. Uh uh what about you? What, what what are some of the bands that you know you like? Well, uh, when I was in high school, the uh, the big four that I was really, really, really into on the point of being obsessive were uh, Metallica, uh, Johnny Cash, Eminem, and um, Nirvana were, okay. the, were the big bands that I was into. I was uh, the grunge movement. By the time I was, you know, I was a small kid when grunge movement was really going on. But later on, when I got in high school in the late 90s, I kind of uh, got heavily into the grunge scene and listened to grunge music and hung out with people who were in grunge and, and stuff like that. But uh, I just I had a real fondness for uh, Kurt Cobain at the time. And uh, like I said, Johnny Cash and Eminem and Metallica. I, I still remember the first Metallica song I ever heard on the radio was uh, Wherever I May Roam. It's blew me away yeah uh, the, the first time i ever heard metallica you know uh because I'm, I'm a little older than you but the first yeah. time i heard metallica uh it was when masters of puppet first came out great album yeah yeah had a copy of that for but a while when i first heard them i didn't like them really i couldn't distinguish none of the instruments you know because they was playing so fast right the you speed know? thrash metal yeah that yeah they, it really helped but, but you know now i can't live without metallica you know i can't man you know? and I, I think a lot of people now uh metallica's kind of become passe you know it's it's out of fashion they're not as big as they used to be clearly they haven't put out that many albums recently um but i still i still really enjoy metallica because um i think their guitar work is second to none uh lars Ulrich on the drums is phenomenal Hetfield's voice is obviously iconic and will oh, yeah. sound through the ages, yeah. down through history. You know, one of the uh, great the, rock voices of, of music. Metallica are one of the few bands that have stayed, you know, stood strong through time. Yeah. You know, I mean, because 
They're still on tour. They're still selling yep. out every, everywhere they go. And those guys, you know? I mean, if you look at them, like, okay, I compare them a lot to Rolling Stones and that they are that kind of band that's able to kind of, uh, other than when every so often they change a member or two, they really do have that kind of staying power. And they almost think that they're better at it than, than the Rolling Stones because if you look at the guys on Rolling Stones, yeah, they're still up on stage, but you can tell, you know, Keith Richards and uh, Mick Jagger, they look like they've lived a hard life. Yeah, the guys man. from Metallica still look like they're in reasonably good health, yeah, you know. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I saw the Rolling Stones recently when they played the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Okay. And uh, them boys, yeah. Rode like, hard and put away Oh, wet. my God, dude. <laughs> I was surprised how, how bad they looked. Yeah. You know. And I mean, I've always said, you know, if if you can still get up and do it at that age, then you should. But yeah. at, at some point, I do think that you have to think about what the rigors of the road life are going to have on you, mm. you know. And at some point, if you live that hard and that crazy, is your health just going to run out in an instant, maybe? Uh, right. I think maybe that's where uh, the guys in Metallica have maybe done it a little bit better. I know in their younger days, they... Uh, Obviously, when they were still rolling around with Cliff Burton before he died, they were notorious alcoholics and, oh, and yeah. drug addicts. Uh, what was their nickname? Alcoholica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, yeah. you know, but I think they've, mo they've, you know, a lot of them gotten married and they've had kids now, and I think they've they've cleaned up a bit, and uh, I think that's good for them. So. Yeah, and, and and they didn't go. I mean, I'm sure they dabbled in drugs, but you know, like recently, I heard that uh, uh, Lars Ulrich as quit cocaine and really that was, that was like six or seven years ago yeah so they were doing drugs up to yeah up, up to pretty much recently but they weren't doing the like like the heroin drug right you know what i'm saying like so many bands have, have, have done and, yeah and, and like like shannon hoon from uh, uh blind melon you know i saw a clip of him where he had like white makeup on yeah pigtails and just he wasn't singing. He was just it just looked strung out. Oh yeah, yeah. It, was, it was horrible, horrible. You know, uh, <clears throat> you know. Uh, another band that 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 I really really like is Rush. You know. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know how 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 you feel about it. But, uh, you know. Rush is uh, another one of those bands that you just you know. I for me personally, uh, I know the really big songs. Uh, I love Tom Sawyer. You know, Fly yeah. By Night is a great song. But at the same time, my my knowledge base um, when it comes to Rush is a little bit limited. Um, I think there's a lot of bands out there that I'd like to get to know, especially ones that have been doing this for a long time. Um, I was telling you a little bit before we jumped on here with the recording, uh, you know, I kind of lived a sheltered life in my youth. Um, yeah. my parents didn't have a lot of music playing in the house. My dad was really the one that had music, but he was limited more to like the Beatles and, um, the turtles and the animals and a lot of those from the fifties and sixties, uh, mamas and the papas, things like that. And if it was something he didn't like, I didn't get exposed to it. So right. there was there was only a thin little wedge of music that I got to know. And it's only been in my late teens and my 20s and now that I'm in my 30s, I've exposed myself to a lot more music um, than what I had with my parents' house. But there's still so many bands out there that everybody else knows, like the back of their hand, that I'm just now getting to know. Right, so. right. But, you know, you mentioned Nirvana. Yeah. Now, uh, I have a love-hate relationship with Nirvana. As many you know, people do, yeah, I understand you know, that. Yeah, uh, because when they hit the scene, the music scene changed Absolutely. overnight. That was one of those moments. You know, yeah, in, yeah, in music history, that things change. Yeah. yeah, and you know, they have some phenomenal songs, phenomenal songwriting. Yeah, you know, but as far as Kurt Cobain goes, 
nobody really know, is going to find out what exactly happened to him. Yeah. Some, some say he committed suicide. Some, some say, say his wife had him killed, you know, so on and so forth. Right, we all know right, all the theories. But. Right. You know, but when I was listening to Nirvana, uh, I was going through a lot of hard times. Yeah. And a lot of their music is not the type of music you want to listen to when you, at least for me, that you want to listen to when you're going through something pretty horrid. Well, I'd you know? agree with that. Um, yeah. I was listening to Nirvana when I was in high school. A lot. I don't, I don't, I'll be honest, I don't listen to Nirvana as much anymore because as I've gotten older and my tastes have changed and evolved and matured, a lot of their music just doesn't hold up like it used to. Um, yeah, yeah. I used to think Kurt Cobain was damn near like a god, you know, with his scratchy, strung out voice and everything. And I used to think, oh, he's so counterculture and he's so anti-establishment. But really, he didn't have that great of a singing voice. He, he you know, and a lot of times his lyrical content, uh, just going back now and listening to it, it was a lot of freeform association. Yeah. You know, it didn't have yeah. a lot of tightly knit, cohesive ideas to it. And I still like Nirvana a lot, but I would say that you're right in that um, maybe listening to them doesn't help when you're in a bad place because I probably extended my periods of darkness by listening to the music, you know, yeah, instead of I looking, can totally relate. Yeah. Instead yeah. of looking for things that were like life affirming and uplifting and bright and beautiful and things like that. I was stuck in this apathetic, nihilistic, angry grunge scene, you know, where you're listening to, you know, mud honey and Nirvana and a little bit of Pearl jam and this and that. And a lot of their lyrics are dark and depressing and about the worst spots in life. Yeah. And, you know, uh, when the grunge, uh, scene happened, I was so pissed off because the grunge scene took away every everything that I believed in as far as music goes. Like the glam rock and the stadium right, rock and the right, kind of classic right, rock stuff. Yeah. Right, you know, they kind of pissed on all that. You yeah. Know? But now I appreciate the music that the grunge scene brought. You know, right. Aeros, uh, uh, not Aerosmith, I'm sorry, uh, uh, Soundgarden. Right. Uh, 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 Pearl Jim's first album is phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal work. Right? Absolutely. You know, uh, just so many bands. I can't think right now. Of, when there there were know. a lot more that never made it big. There were far more that never made it big than did make it big. Yeah, uh, you know, like the Screaming Trees. Oh, yeah. I, you know, I've got, I had a couple of them. Yeah, you I know, still got one. I yeah, think it's great. I, I think they're underrated. Yeah. You know, extremely underrated. Yeah, absolutely. You know, they they should have gotten bigger than they did, you know. And I think I think they had a brief period of time where they kind of like did that almost getting famous thing, and like they almost took off with popular culture and the public consciousness, but it never quite hooked, and it never quite right. got to that point. And then they went back down to doing their thing. Right. Um, but yeah, I think I think the uh, the advent of grunge music and the rise in its popularity probably shocked all those bands just as much as it shocked like longtime music lyrics. I don't think that Kurt Cobain or uh, Eddie Vedder or uh, the guy from Soundgarden, I can't remember. Chris that. Cornell. Chris Cornell. I don't think that they ever expected, you know, this little mo music movement that was big in Seattle. I don't think they expected to sweep the country by storm. No, and and I don't think they deliberately. Oh, this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna destroy that the eighties era. Right. You know, they didn't. I don't think they did that. You know, it's just what happened, and that's what happened to society. Well, you know? and Kirk Cobain you know? is famous for saying in uh, in that one interview. I can't remember which one it was, but you know, the reporter basically asked him. How do you feel about being labeled as the voice of a generation? He said, I don't want to be the fucking voice of a generation. I, you know, basically, yeah, I, I want to paraphrase here, but he basically, I don't even know who I am. Like, right. You know, you know, and, and, you know, most people that play in bands 
whether they're hugely successful, mildly successful, or just locally successful. That's what they want to do is just play in a band, yeah. entertain people, and have a good time. Yeah, you I, know? I think uh, you want to go out and you want to perpetuate your art and you hope that you hope that people respond to it. You hope that it tugs right. at people's heartstrings. Right. But I think a lot of people are, are honestly surprised and shocked when their particular brand of art or whatever it may be takes off and it really connects with people. Yeah. You know? And I think sometimes people don't know how to handle it. I think that definitely happened in Cobain's case that he didn't know oh, yeah. how to handle the fame. Yeah. I think I think that's what wrecked his life and I think yeah, that because, ultimately you know, led to his death. Yeah. Once you get to a certain status celebrity status yeah you can no longer go down to the convenience store and get a coke you can't go back you, know? you can't go to the store and just get a, a pack of chips or whatever right yeah. you know you can't yeah you can't do that you can't walk down the street without somebody losing their mind right. oh my god you're so and you're so and so yeah. with such and such yeah. can i have your autograph yeah. here's a piece of paper that i'm yeah. shoving in your face can i have a piece of your hair right you know it's like can i have that jacket that you wore at that show you right know? right you know uh, uh and it's just it's it's sad really you know, and so many people lose themselves when they get to that point. Well, and, yeah, a prime example would be uh, Lane Staley from, yeah. from Alice in Chains. Yeah. And he went through the exact same. His life story is almost identical to Cobain's. Yeah. It ended almost exactly the same way. Yeah, man. And I think uh, that, like, you have somebody who has appetites, and they might not even know what those appetites are, but you give them the means and the environment that makes it possible, and all of a sudden those appetites take over, and the addiction starts, and all the, the negativity that we all know is associated with this sort of lifestyle. And guys like Cobain and Staley, I think uh, the fame really did drive them mad. Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, I read an interview one time, uh, Jerry Cantrell, yeah. uh, and he was talking about them being on tour. And Lane Staley came up missing for like three days. Yeah. No finding. Right. Jerry walks into this this coffee shop and <clears> sees Lane Staley bussing tables. Yeah. Goes up to him and says, hey, dude, what are you doing? He's like, look, man, I wanted some normalcy in my life. Right. You know, and I get that, you know what I'm saying? Because it's like when you're on tour playing these shows, you know, like we just said, people want to worship you. Oh, yeah. You know, Absolutely. And, and it can get to your head. and. And it, and it takes away a lot from a person, yeah. and it's sad, you know. Well, I think I think that sort of that level of hero worship, where people put you on the status of like being a king or or a god, almost. I think it. Uh, after a while, you don't have a choice but to look at the fact that you have, for all intents and purposes, for better or worse, you've been removed from a portion of the human condition because you're no longer a normal person who walks around on the street and just lives their life and and mostly anonymity. You're now in the forefront, and we all know that public figures become the product of what the public places on them. You know, oh, yeah. you, at some point oh, yeah. you stop being who you are and you start being what the public sees you as. Yes. And you yes. can either go along with it and keep your spot or you can fight against it and become a pariah. And I think that choice, uh, I think that's a really hard choice. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I, you know, uh, but there was some, some great music that came out of the grunge era. Absolutely. You know, but <clears throat> it seems like when the two thousands hit, you know, up to now, there really hasn't been a band that has come along that really shook things up and, and made people notice. Yeah, there's, you know? I mean, there's there's definitely been changes in music. Uh, music has changed again, or, you know, it changed again in the, about 2000s, the early 2000s, changed again in 2010. I feel like we're on the, but that's, you know, that follows the decade cycles, you know, every, every 10 years or so. 
the next generation goes from being about 10 years old to being about 18, 19, 20, mm -hmm. and now they're adults. And so now they're figuring out what they like and what they're going to listen to and what they're going to watch on TV and this and that. And that kind of becomes the new um, social commentary and public conversation. Right. Um, yeah. But I think you're right. And I can't really think of any band, and I'm sure that people listening might have some disagreement you know there's always those bands that are personally important to you but i can't really think of anyone that's come out that's just completely shaken up the fishbowl you know there's yeah, people yeah, that agree. have come out and been really popular and done really well for themselves and there's a lot of good music being put out but man when kurt when when, when nirvana released Nevermind, and was it 93 94 yeah, right right yeah. there that was i think that was just right before uh, that was a couple of months you know, really before his death, yeah. when Nevermind came out, I still remember the first time I listened to Nevermind all the way through. I didn't listen to it in 94. I listened to it a few years later. But even for me, being a couple of years removed from when it was released, it still shook my world up. Oh, yeah. It completely turned everything I thought I knew upside down, and it just it blew me away. And I was like, man, I could totally see why this is the album. This was the moment. When this album came out, everybody started listening to it. This is the moment when rock music changed forever. Oh, yeah, forever, dude. Yeah, you know, even though I wasn't that old in the 80s, I was born in 86, um, I still know that the 80s was a time when the country, in a lot of ways, was doing really, really well. You know, Reagan was president, you know, that there was rampant, rampant, rampant trading on the stock market, and, you know, all those the stories like Wolf of Wall Street and all that stuff that was going on, all that free-flowing money in the yeah. stock market. And a lot of cocaine, too. A lot of cocaine, <laughs> a lot of parties, everybody yeah. was driving everybody was driving like fancy cars and all the families were doing well. And this is really when Gen X really came into its own and really, you know, the idea of the yuppie really solidified and, you know, I want to wear a business suit and I want to get that money and I want to chase that paper and I want to have the corner office in the building and I want to have the house in the suburbs, but I also want to have the yacht and all that stuff. And there was a certain image and a certain mindset and a certain lifestyle associated with that. And I think the eighties, if you look at the movies that were coming out, the, you know, all the sci-fi movies like Terminator, you're looking at the type of cars that came out. Everything was the expression of the future as it was being promised. You know, all the cars had, for the first time, digital yes. read. You yes. know, they no longer had the analog speedometers. Now it was a digital, uh -huh. and everything was like computers and everything. Was, cell phones. Everything was yeah. cell phones, yeah. and it was everything was wrapped in cellophane. Everything was plastic. Everything had this driving electronic beat to it. Madonna was popular. Michael Jackson was popular. And then... Bam, Nirvana, Nirvana, you know, nine, early 90s hit, Nirvana and Soundgarden and Pearl Jam and all these guys with raspy, scratchy voices. Everybody's wearing flannel. Nobody gives a fuck how they look. Everybody's kind of exulting and glorifying this apathetic, nihilistic existence. And I think it kind of shook people awake. Like, it holy did. shit, it we, 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 we it ain't all, Yeah, it ain't all parties. It's not all parties. Yeah. You know, there's a whole aspect of life that we haven't considered. And that's, right. you know, the dirty, grungy, dingy, you know, I'm couch hopping and doing drugs and I'm barely eating because I don't have money to buy groceries and right. a lot of people identified with that because right. the kids and maybe the younger siblings of all the people who did well in the 80s they came along and they're like well what's what's there for us right you right know? exactly exactly you know but uh, you mentioned uh, uh, Johnny Cash earlier I love Johnny Cash you know? to this day I think Johnny Cash you know? is a he's a he's a I don't know. He's, a, he's an American prophet. I don't know how else to put that. He's just... Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, you know, my heart goes out to him because, you know, June Cash died. Right. And then a few months later... Few months, it was only four or five months later. Right, that, and, and then he passed away. Yeah. And if 
somebody could die from a broken heart, Johnny Cash died Absolutely. from a broken heart. Man. And, I mean, we were talking a little bit about the mistakes we made before we came on this recording. Johnny Cash is a guy who made mistakes. Johnny, oh, yeah. I think, oh, I think yeah. there's very few people that know. We look at rock stars like uh, Lane Staley or uh, Axl Rose or Marilyn Manson or Rob Zombie or any of those guys. Anybody that has access to money and drugs and, you know, that kind of uh, rock star lifestyle. Johnny Cash came up in a time when that wasn't. So he was right. part of the generation of musicians that were inventing the rock star lifestyle. Yes. Uh, yes. Like nobody came before them that had, you know, the radio was really coming into its own. For the first time, the teen market demographic was really trying to be sought out by yeah. the record companies. They were trying yeah. to capture that teen market and trying to get the young people to start listening to music and all that. Before that, it was just the old retired World War II vets that listened to music that was largely considered tired and passe by that point. Johnny Cash and... You know, he was hanging out. I mean, if you look at the list of musicians that Johnny Cash knew and has played with in his life, people from Chuck Berry to Jerry Lee Lewis to the Beatles, he knew the Rolling Stones, he hung out with Elvis. Yeah. All like, yeah. all those big names, Johnny Cash was there. Every single big moment in early rock and roll and early country and every, rhythm and blues and all this stuff, Johnny Cash transcended and crossed over so many different styles and genres. And he never chameleon. He never let people morph him into that new version. Whatever he adopted, he didn't become that. He maintained right. his own identity throughout all of it. And, uh, right. I uh, mean, June Cash and Johnny Cash, that's one of the great stories, love stories of rock and roll. I, I agree. You know, like, uh, <clears throat> Johnny Cash, his last album was, was, I believe, nothing but covers. Yeah, uh, that was American Volume 6. I yeah, think I had yeah. a copy of that. And he took them songs and if you didn't know any better, he wrote them. Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, like the song Hurt. Yeah. You know, the cover of Nine Inch Nails. Yeah. You know, I get chills just thinking about it. Yeah. You know, when I, when I hear it, when I watch the videos, I mean, it takes a lot for me not to cry right. when, when I see that. Because yeah. I could see the emotion. Oh, uh, absolutely. And, and it just, just, you follow what he's been through with that particular song and, yeah you know that video you see the pain that he went through absolutely you know and and it just shows you how powerful music can be and, yeah and, and what it can do to people well Trent Reznor is famous for say they said um how do you feel about Johnny Cash covering your song hurt and Trent Reznor very quickly corrected them and says it's not my song anymore because once Johnny Cash does your song it no longer belongs to you right hurt, right. hurt is Johnny Cash's song yeah and I yeah. think that even today, I mean, Trent Reznor obviously made his bones and made his fortunes, you know, many, many years after Johnny Cash came out. And for people in the music industry, in a, I would say we can all say that Trent Reznor plays a very different style of music than what Johnny Cash did. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so for somebody from that far removed in something that's so far removed with that heavy industrial progressive kind of techno kind of electronica sound that's how respected Johnny Cash is and was and I think always will be because if you know music at all you can't deny his contributions you can't oh, yeah. deny, like he yeah. had the perfect placement in music history to be there at the forefront of all those movements he was there for the civil rights movement he was there for the rise of the free love movement and the advent of drugs in American culture and he was there for all that he lived I think the reason I respect him so much is so many rock stars seem like they're above us in yes, what they do. Yeah. Johnny Cash was living through all that stuff at the same time as we were, and he was living through it as one of us. Yeah, exactly. He just happened to be a yeah. little bit more famous than the rest right. of us, but he never lost that touch of being 
that a connection, com- a common guy. Yeah, that yeah. connection with with the common. Folks. Yeah, exactly. You never lost that, you know. Yeah, and and uh, you just you just have to respect somebody like that. Yeah, you know? I, and I never I remember the first time I ever heard uh, Johnny Cash. I think it was uh, a boy named Sue, and I was on a, a missions trip with the church I was at at the time. But you know, I was. 14, 15 year old kid. I didn't know who Johnny Cash was at the time, but the guy that was driving the van is like, I'll play something for you. Let me know what you think of it. I hear this song. I'm like, he's like, what do you think? I was like, I'm hooked. Yeah. I'm hooked. When, when, when was this guy around? And he said, he's still around, but he, he's been playing music for 30 years, 40 years, you know, however long it was. I was like, this is, I never expected to connect with something like that. Right. You know, uh, I didn't really, uh, uh, appreciate Johnny Cash until basically the 90s. Yeah. You know, I'd always knew of Johnny Cash and heard his music and everything. Sure. But but I didn't connect to him until the people that I was around at the time, that's all they listened to was Johnny. Yeah. You know, and, and I started hearing the songs and, and hearing the lyrics. It's like, yeah, I could, I could get down with this. You know, I could get down with this for sure. Well, the, the, the guy, uh, his name is uh, Bob Huey. And he was telling me all these stories. Like when Johnny Cash did his famous concert live at Folsom Prison, mm-hmm. they got so excited that he was there. Because these are prisoners in one of the worst prisoner prisons in America at the right, time. Right. Folsom Prison was a hell house. Yeah, you know, yeah. they didn't get any action with interaction with the outside world. Nobody ever came to visit these guys because these were the worst of the worst of the worst. And he went in there and he played the concert. And apparently they got so riled up. Not even from being angry, from being excited to see him play, yeah, yeah. that he almost started a riot at the prison oh, and he yeah. had to be let out. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it just uh, people's connection to music can do that to people. You know, bring out emotion, and that's yeah. a, and that's a beautiful thing. You know, like like uh, for me, I realized this recently. I was always hearing music, but I had to learn to listen to music. Yeah, you know when to listen to music like for years i would wake up and that would be the first thing i would do is throw on my favorite album mm-hmm. and listen to it and uh then i started realizing you know this is affecting my mood right you know and maybe i need to not do that right you know? so yeah you know but um because you know you and i we come from two different eras you know yeah you, you were born in 86 yeah uh i was born in 71 right you know so you know uh it's good that, you know, you, because you come from a different music scene than I did. Yeah, very you much. Know, but we're open enough to, to, to talk about it and not get pissed off when we don't, right. you know, like what the next person likes. You know, well, so. because music, music, like any other form of art, is so subjective. There is no, there, I, I'm convinced after having listened to all the music that I've listened to, there's no such thing as good or bad music. There's only music that you connect with or don't connect right, with. Right, You know, right. we can... We can talk all day about bands or artists that are, you know, by and large considered to be good, but there are plenty of people that don't appreciate them. And then there are others, we listen to the music, we're like, oh, that sounds like trash, but you know what? Right. It got made and somebody's listening to it. Somebody right. appreciates right. that. Right, you know, for years, I hated country music. Yeah. I just hated it. I mean, until I joined a country western band. Yeah. You know, started playing bass, started listening to the music, the, 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 the lyrics and everything, and and then I grew, had had an appreciation for it, you know. How long did you play with the country band? Uh, it was about a year, yeah. you know. You uh, feel like you learned a lot about music in that time? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, you know, 
I learned a lot about country music at that time yeah. because, you know, we played a lot of country music, a lot of Southern music, you yeah. know, uh, Waylon Jennings, Hank Jr., uh, uh, Leonard Skinner, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, and, and I just learned to, learned to appreciate that style of music. And now I can't live without certain, like, like Hank Jr. Yeah. You know, I love Hank Jr. Yeah. You know, uh, Country Boy Can't Survive. Great know, song. Love you know, that song. Yeah, that, that's a story song. Absolutely. And and those story songs, and country music, it's full of them. Yeah. Full of them. And, and you know, the story songs are, are, they take you on a journey. Yeah. And, and, and take you places. And it's and it's a, just such a beautiful, beautiful thing. Absolutely. You know? uh, well, one of the reasons that country music has been so traditionally popular in, certainly in America, is because by and large, it is the music of storytelling. Mm -hmm. And we Americans, what we really love more than anything else is a good story. Yeah. I can't remember who said it, but uh, uh, somebody once said that, you know, country music is the white man's blues. Absolutely. You know? and yeah. I mean, I can't, I can't disagree with that. Said. You know? I, mean, <laughs> I wish I could remember who said that. <laughs> you know? Music has the power to transform you uh, and transfer you to a certain place in a certain time. Um, in a way that few other things can. If you really, the more music you listen to and the more different types of regional music you listen to, you really do realize that particular music speaks about a particular place. Yes, Country yes. music has its roots in the South, so yeah. it carries all the weight of all the history and all the culture that we all know about the South, the slavery and the Old West and mm -hmm. all that stuff. It carries all that vibe with it. And then you listen to hip hop and R&B and things like that, things that come from the cities and the urban environments. And it speaks to the experiences there. Exactly, exactly. You know, like like when I hear songs from the 80s, you know, pop songs, you know, because yeah. when I was in the 80s, uh, you know, because heavy metal is my favorite type of music, but I would listen to everything. If it was good, it was good. If right. I liked it, I liked it. You know, like like uh, now if I hear like uh, uh, Mr. Mr. or, or, or uh, Toto, yeah. you know, it just, I can feel the emotions changing yeah. inside me. It's like a, it's like a blanket that comes over me. Yeah. And, you know, music is just so... To me, music is the only thing on this planet that is pure enough to bring every walk of life together. Yeah. You know. Well, music music really is the soundtrack to life itself. Yes, yes. You know, and what, like, people have often said, where words fail, music succeeds. Music can help you say what you can't find the words for. Right. That's why, you know? for a long time, the idea of making a mixtape for somebody... Even though it's a pretty cheesy gift, it also, on some level, it's really fundamental because you can take a collection of songs that you think sum up a person and give that tape and, like, here's me expressing how I feel about you in all the ways I never could say it. Exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, you said that, you know, music is, is people's soundtrack, you know, it's their soundtrack to their lives. Yeah. You know, when I was playing in bands, I was very adamant about playing the song pretty much note for note because... I felt that, you know, yeah. I felt that, you know, this song is somebody's fucking soundtrack to their life, right. man, you know, and, and, and don't screw it up. Right. Don't, don't make it up because, yeah. you know, I've gotten off stage and people have come up to me and said, dude, you played my favorite song, <laughs> you know, and they, they would shake my hand, they would buy me a beer, whatever, you know, and I didn't do it for that, you know, I'm glad that I could give somebody, you know. Uh, 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 that gift of the music, yeah, you know, and and for them to come up to me because people don't have to do that, right? You know, 
for them to come up to me and say, hey, man, you played my favorite song. Thanks, man. I haven't heard yeah. that in so long. You know, and that means a lot to me. Yeah. You know? And and it's just the power of music is unbelievable, man. Unbelievable, I mean, it, just, you know? it brings people together in ways that few other things can. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I think partially because it's so it's so easily accessible. Like there are plenty of great sculptures and there are plenty of great paintings and examples of fantastic architecture and things like that. But you usually you have to go to the place to see that you have to either have to go to an art museum to see the paintings and the sculptures, or you have to go to the building to, I mean, you can look at pictures of buildings on the internet, but it's not the same as being there. Music, all you have to do is turn on the radio and it's there. Mm -hmm. All you have to do is go to any store or restaurant and there's a radio playing somewhere yes. in the background. Yeah. People have their iPods and they have their iPhones and they have different music streaming devices and different services. Now there's so much music all over the place. You really can't go too many places without hearing music unless you really try. I suppose you could choose to shut it out of your life and probably do a pretty good job, but why would you want to? Exactly. I mean, that would be if, if, if that would be a sin, in my opinion. You know. Yeah. You know, you gotta have music in your life. Yeah. You know, no matter what it is, whether it's country, jazz, rock, blues, whatever. Yeah, it really doesn't you know? matter what you listen to. Yeah. I, I've said I was said reading and listening to music are pretty similar in that it almost doesn't matter what you read and it almost doesn't matter what you listen to just read yeah and just listen listen to something have music have books in your life you know the act of reading and the act of listening to music it helps grow cells in your brain yes so just yes. just even doing it is vital in and of itself and, and plus it's proven that you know if you learn an instrument it helps you with math right you know and how could that ever be a bad thing you know See, you know, my my parents were so against me of learning the guitar because I'm a self-taught musician. Mm -hmm. They were they were so against it. At one point, they even kicked me out of the house for it. Really? Yeah. And uh, you know, I never understood that. You know, uh, I guess because they never had an appreciation for music. Right. You know, and that's sad. That it really is. is. You know, not just my parents. For anybody that doesn't have an appreciation for some type of music, it, it's just it's just sad. Yeah, you can you can kind of tell a difference in the person between when when someone who truly loves and appreciates music, and then there are people who are kind of indifferent to it. Yeah, I have I have friends who are, but I have friends who have a blazing passion like I do for listening to music and playing music and going and seeing shows and things like that. And then I have a couple other friends that you know it really doesn't play that big of a role in their life. One friend, I mean, he likes music and he listens to it on the radio, and he he's not anti music, but he's not a music fan, I would say. But then my other friend, um, he has said himself, he's like, I don't like music. He doesn't listen to music. And you, wow. you'd say to yourself, well, how can you not? But then when you see him and the kind of person that he is, he does have something missing. There's something missing in his life. He is very melancholy. He's yeah. kind of depressed all the time. And I worry about him because, and, I, and I'm not going to say that the music is the sole reason He's, right, you know, right. every person is a complicated set of features and facets, but I think it's contributory. Yeah. It's a contributing factor that yeah. I'm not saying that him listening to music would even pull him out of his depression completely, but it would be helpful. Yeah. It would for help sure, him, for sure. You know? Maybe he doesn't have, he's never really experienced true joy in life, you know. Well, he probably you has. Know, I mean, I mean, I don't know because I've never met the guy. Right. But, you know, I'm just, you know, going off what, yeah. what, what. 
I've experienced, you know. Now, he has recently, and I am, even though I think it's weird, he has recently started collecting, like, phonographs and, like, old music players like that. So at least now he's got an outlet. Yeah, he's something. Got, he's got yeah. something. But even in that, it's not about the music. It's about the phonograph, and he likes antiques and things like yeah. that. You know, he collects those things. And I think that he would be just as happy if they weren't playing music. You know? Right. I, I think they... that just, I think that he collects things and they happen to play music. He doesn't collect them because they play music. Right, you know? right. You know, so people need things in their life that they appreciate and they love and they have joy for and they have a passion for. Yeah. You know, because without that, life is just a big set pull <clears throat> meaninglessness yeah and, and apathy and nihilism yeah and, <clears throat> and you gotta help people like that you know, yeah I think you know. <coughs> well uh, I think uh, we did a pretty fair job with this episode yeah, so that's a, a pretty good dent yeah we uh, we should uh, cut this episode and uh I'll end by uh, saying, is there anything you want to say before we end? Oh, um, I would just say that I hope to uh, appear on the cast. I thought that uh, a friend of mine once said that music is life and the rest is just details. That's that's pretty much it. Uh, and I, I'll leave it at that. Uh, I'll say uh, be good to people and love each other. Peace. Have a great week. <laughs>